This is Recognize, a podcast about the NHL's black and biracial hockey heroes, proudly supported by eBay Canada. Ever since I was a kid, I collected hockey cards with spare change my dad gave me. As a black person, to see others like me on the ice inspired me. They were my role models and showed me hockey is a game for everyone. I've collected 100 rookie cards for NHL's black and biracial players, and I'm going to talk to all of them. And Andre DeVoe dropped the gloves and square off. Harrell doesn't lose many, I'll tell you that. Andre DeVoe was born in the Bahamas in 1984. Andre played in the NHL for the New York Rangers and the Toronto Maple Leafs, alongside a long career in the AHL and in Europe. So, uh, hi, Andre. It's great to have you on the podcast. Hi. Thanks for having me, Dean. So I understand that you were born in Freeport, Bahamas. Is that true? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. I'm uh, the first one ever, first hockey player ever from uh, Freeport, Bahamas. It's my claim to fame. Yeah. Is that a Bahamian flag you have on your t-shirt? Yeah, it is. Actually, yeah. Just coincidence. It's funny. uh, We actually, we spent uh, last December uh, visiting my father and some relatives in Freeport. So... I got a whole bunch of swag there, so it's it's just funny. I'm I'm actually wearing this shirt on your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect timing. No, so I'm not aware of any other Bahamian-born players. Are there? Have you met any other players in the NHL? No, there aren't. No, I'm, I'm the only one. It's it's actually um, my my cousins have. Uh, uh, I have a lot of family there, obviously, and my cousins have uh, made a big stink about me being up on the Wall of Fame in the Nassau uh, airport. And uh, I've actually gone to the lady who, who runs the Wall of Fame in the Nassau Airport twice during my travels. I don't go to Nassau very often, but the last two times I went, and you know, you have to picture the Wall of Fame is basically just a whole bunch of sprinters and then Rick Fox. And, you know, uh, so, so I, I tried to talk to the lady about getting up there and she asked me what sport I played. And I said, I play hockey. And she said, the, the one on ice? And I said, yep, the one on ice. I'm the only one ever from Bahamas to... Uh, you know, I should have my picture up there. And she looked at the wall and looked at me and she said, I think if you want to go up on the wall, I think you should take up sprinting. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, I think you should be up there. So hopefully uh, you well, land there. Uh, well, it, it's, uh, well, maybe, maybe one day, maybe, maybe, yeah. one day, but it's, it's, okay. uh, you know, Bahamians are, um, they take a lot of pride. Uh, you know, when I do go back home and, um, people, um, you know, I explained to them that I was a professional a hockey player and I did represent the Bahamas, uh, you know, in, in North America, but overseas as well. You know, I've seen Bahamian flags in uh, Russia. I've seen Bahamian flags in Slovakia and Czech and all over the world. So, um, you know, people, uh, even though they don't, they don't uh, think much about hockey, you know, it's not, it's not big there. They, they do think that's pretty cool. So well, that's great. You've definitely put them on the map for hockey. Yeah. So I just want to show you something here. If you can see this, I'll just uh, give a bit of a close up. Uh, yeah. This is your rookie card, I believe, with the Toronto Maple Leafs. And just going to ask you what comes to mind when you see this card. Oh, uh, I mean, a lot of um, I have mixed feelings when I see that, to be honest. Um, you know, I, I grew up a massive Sabre fan. So, like, I, I grew up in Welland, Ontario. And, uh, 
my dad's, uh, my stepfather's law firm had uh, season tickets to the Sabres. So, you know, I remember the McGillney, LaFontaine days. Um, you know, we used to go to 50 games a year. I was a massive fan. And then um, my dad got leaf tickets. Um, my, well, my stepfather got leaf tickets one day. And this was back in the uh, Doug Gilmore, Wendell Clark era. And I saw one leaf game at, uh, Maple Lake Gardens. And I was, I was in love. I was a Leaf fan uh, ever since. So, um, you know, obviously being a kid from Welland, uh, it was, uh, you know, amazing, you know, be, being able to throw on that Jersey, you know, uh, cheering for that team, you know, my whole life. Uh, but at the same time, uh, you know, the, the, the athlete, the, the professional athlete in me, you know, remembers there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes and I played a pretty, uh, rough game let's let's put it that way and uh so uh you know there was a lot of pressure there was a there was a lot of pressure and there was a lot of uh you know i i was uh what they call like a bubble player you know I, every game mattered for me you know every game um you know how i played decide whether uh, i was going to be up with the Mar or down with the marlies or up with the leafs and uh you know there's uh, add a zero on your paycheck so um, you know, it, it's, um, you know, and I, I had a lot of family that relied on me too. Uh, uh, so, so I, I have mixed feelings, obviously now, like I see that and, and I, you know, I'm the luckiest guy in the world. You know, I got to play for the team I grew up cheering for, but, um, you know, it, it's, it's not all, uh, uh you know, I, I do feel kind of glad that's, that's done with. You know? Okay. Yeah. So I'm going to circle back in a bit to talk a little bit more about your experiences, but let me go back to the card collecting growing up in Welland. Were you a hockey card collector or sport card collector in any way? We used to trade uh, OPG cards. I remember that. Uh, so I used to have a bunch of those. And I think you used to, we used to, McDonald's uh, used to have a whole bunch of cards. So we we had all, a whole bunch of us. We traded hockey cards for a long time and then Pogs came. <laughs> I was traded Pox. So you mentioned um, players like the Sabres, and I was a Leaf fan growing up not too far from you in Burlington, and I had uh, sort of uh, Sabres would have been kind of a second team for me as well at the time. But were there special cards you collected geared towards the Sabres at all, or were any other stars that you sought after when you were card collecting? Uh, yeah, well, that's, that's actually kind of funny. One of my favorite uh, cards I had was uh, Brad May Mayday. And then, That's uh, right. um, you know, cause I, I used to watch him fight on the Sabres and then, uh, fast forward, uh, he was my line mate here in Toronto for a while. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, yeah. I actually just saw him in the alumni box, him and his wife. Okay. Didn't he yeah. also play for Niagara Falls junior or did he try to think of the junior team he played? Uh, for? Yeah, that was, that was before my time. I'm sure he's told okay. me the story to be okay. honest. I don't, I, I don't remember. I can't but remember. Yeah. yeah. But that, that was, I, I remember him, uh, obviously Patty Lafontaine. Dominic Hasek. I mean, he was, he was a huge name. I remember having his card. Um, I had, uh, who, who's, oh, back then I was, um, back then when I was younger, I was a defenseman and, uh, my, my favorite player in the league was Phil Housley. Uh, Phil, Phil Housley. Uh, he was, I think he was Winnipeg. He, that was my favorite. I, I treasured that card up until it got destroyed by one of my brothers. Yeah. So lots of experience and connections with with uh, Buffalo. Um, that, that's really interesting. And um, 
Um, yeah, Brad May, actually, I, I got to meet a few times because there was a friend of mine at uh, University of Waterloo that uh, was a childhood friend of his. And um, when they were in those playoffs those years, we often would get tickets to go to the game. So really nice guy. Well, super guy. One of, one of the nicest teammates I've ever had, for sure. I don't think I was there for the May Day, but I was there for one of the games when Dave Hannon scored in three overtimes wherever we were trying to stay up pretty, pretty early in the morning. But it was fantastic to see. I remember the Mayday game. My dad uh, was supposed to bring me and my mom decided to go. And I've never, uh, I've never been so angry at my mom uh, in, in my entire life. I, I still remember that. Uh, so I, I still, you know, once in a while, I'll bring that up to her. All right. So let's uh, talk about where you grew up because you talked about Bahamas. So um, tell us where you grew up and what was it like growing up in your household. Uh, so I, I, well, I spent the first three years of my life in, uh, the Bahamas and I guess, uh, uh, to make it simple for people to explain, um, uh, my, my, my father's, uh, Bahamian and, um, uh, my mom was doing her internship in medical school abroad. So, um, that's how she met my father. And, uh, when we moved, she got her placement after internship in, uh, in Wellet. So, um, we moved to Welland and then my, my, my dad kind of left the picture and my stepdad took over and my stepdad was an avid hockey fan. And that's just what every kid did in Welland. Um, you know, every, everybody played hockey. So, um, you know, obviously, uh, you started out in Shawl and then, you know, you, you, it, it was more of a, you know, I, I'm not even sure. Like at first I, I loved the game. I, I think I love the camaraderie. You know, I love going to the rink and, um, could, could I ask when your first time skating, do you have a memory of how you first learned to skate and who supported you with that? <laughs> so my, my stepdad used to bring me to the rink and while in the youth arena, they had uh, public skating and, uh, that's actually, I met my, one of my best friends, Dan Pyatt. Uh, he used to, he used to be out there and, uh, I, I used to, you know, be, be an okay skater, obviously, you know, out there, uh, you know, you could skate laps around people and he would burn me, he would just go around the whole rink, you know, and I, I spent the next, uh, you know, 25 plus years trying to catch him, never did. Yeah. So we've, we've heard various stories when people have, uh, players have started to play hockey. Some it's, it's four years old. Sometimes it's seven, it's 10. Was, was that skating experience at a very young age for you? So, uh, I, so I played instructional league for a year and then, um, and then I went right to Tyke. I went to Tyke, uh, triple, uh, I, I don't think that triple A back in Tyke, but then novice, uh, novice minor, novice, we, we were playing, um, I played triple A the whole way, except there was one year, uh, my dad's law partner, Mr. LaRose, uh, he was coaching the single A team. So Pi and I went down, played for him and, uh. Yeah, we loved it. Like it, it was just a way of life. And my two best friends growing up were uh, Dan Girardi and Dan Payet. We played on the same hockey team. They had unbelievable careers. So, um, you know, I, I basically spent my childhood keeping up with them. You know, and trying to uh, trying to do them, and uh, um, you know, just it's it was almost like a ritual. Every uh, you'd, you'd play your games that week, and then hockey night in Canada would come on a Saturday, and you'd go over to parents would all meet at one house and you'd watch the leaf game or the, you know, the saber get whatever was going on. And, uh, that, you know, that's, it just seemed normal. That's how, that's how we grew yeah. up. Yeah. Yeah. And I can relate. Um, 
having the same experience uh, growing up playing AAA hockey in Burlington about that um, community that you speak to that just established you you just get a group of other brothers and uh, and parents really over yeah. the course yeah. of time. Very yeah. special. No, so, so many earliest memories are, uh, uh, you know, most fun I had were, were like mini sticks in the hallways of hotels, you know, like that's what we we're just we we uh ate and drank hockey that's all yeah we, we did yeah i wonder if they still have the mini sticks i haven't heard that mentioned cool. for a while i don't know I I, 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 that'd be an interesting question i, I yeah. don't know my kids haven't started yet so it'll be interesting yeah a couple of years so you talked about your association with those two players um what position did you play younger i think you mentioned defense and um what type yeah. of player were you yeah so i i was uh i was actually a pretty good defense to, to be honest with you i probably should have stayed a defenseman the way hockey changed. Yeah, I, I was a defenseman. Um, you know, I was pretty good on the rush. Um, you know, I had a big shot from the point. And it was one of those things where uh, I was good enough to to rush the puck all the time. And, and you know, my coaches didn't mind it. So, and then, um, you know, probably towards Wee and stuff, I, I like to score. I like to get points, you know. So I, I told my coaches I wanted to move forward. And I remember one of my coaches back home, uh, his name was Bob Kralitz. Uh, he told me, he said, you know, I think you're making a big mistake. I think you'd make uh, a hell of a defenseman. You know, he, he said, but you're good enough where you could decide you're either way you're going to be on the team. And, you know, I chose forward and I never looked back, but looking back, uh, you know, I, I, I kind of wish I would have, I would have stayed a defender. Who knows what, what would have happened in my career, but I, I, I always uh, envied the defenseman, uh, you know, especially as big stay-at-home defenseman or something, you know, no, no, no real pressure to get points or to score or things like that. I, I always, uh, I always envied those guys. And over in that loop where you played, you talked about uh, the players you played with. Do you have any memories of playing against a future stars over the course of your minor career, uh, whether that be within your your uh, league in Welland or tournaments? Or I could, I could vividly remember. Uh, uh, we were playing the Toronto Marlboros in a tournament, and we played against Rick Nash. And uh, I, you know, uh, we we ended up having the same age. We ended up being buddies for a long time. Um, but I, I can remember that game because it was the first time a kid in a game took a slap shot and scored, and uh, it, it blew my mind. You know, I didn't know you could do that in a in a, in a game. Um, no, we in in Welland, um, we had a lot of. Uh, you know, it's, it's where, I don't know what's in the drinking water in Welland, but we had a lot of guys, you know, turn pro and, and uh, um, you know, every time we played against the, you know, one of the Toronto teams, you, you know, I, I could probably name 50 players I played against at, at some point, um, you know, and then, and then obviously you hit junior and, you know, you, you, you would know all the names now. So other names in Welland, Paul Bissonette, is he from that area? Did I read that he's from yeah, Welland? Is his he around your age group? Is yeah, it? no, we, we all grew up together. He was a year younger than us, and we still make fun of him to this day because he ended up, uh, he got cut one year uh, from from novice uh, or, so, or so, middle of the year. So we still we still make fun of him back home. But uh, no, he's had an unbelievable career and obviously an unbelievable pulse career. And uh you know, but there's him. There's uh, Clutterbug. Yeah, uh, Clutter, uh, Cal Clutterbug's had a really good career. You know, so it's a 
There's a lot of guys, uh, even uh, what was his name, Matt Johnson. He was a fighter in LA for a while, you know. Yeah. Uh, well, sometimes, uh, you know, a middle working class type community, if, if that's what Wellens like, sometimes you do produce a lot of players uh, with character. Oh, absolutely. I, I attribute it to the coaching. I think uh, we, we are, you know, it's a hockey community and we had a ton of people that coaches that, that, you know, paid money out of their pocket and, you know, they really cared about us. They really wanted us to win, but more importantly, they wanted us to win the right way. You know, I, I think at the top of my head, uh, you know, I, I, I still remember my Ray booting, my tight coach and uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Boss, uh, um, you know, Mr. Blanchard and Mr. Tarda, you know, that Mr. LaRose was one of the best coaches I've ever had in my entire life. So, uh, we were really lucky, um, you know, all the way up. And then when I play, I played junior B at 15 in uh, Fort Erie, I had wing Grohl as a, as a coach, uh, you know, he had an unbelievable junior career. So, uh, you know, when, when, uh, when you're uh, a coach and you show you care and you show you're interested and you're invested in, in, in the, the kids, um, you know, I, I think kids really respond to that and, and they want to, they, they want to produce for you. And I, I remember, um, I, I can vividly remember when I did well, making my coaches proud, but I could also remember, uh, you know, my coaches put in so much work that when it, things didn't go well, I felt, um, you know, I felt responsible and I felt like I let them down. And, and I think that has to go, uh, that that has to do with the, with how much our coaches cared back, in, back home. That really says something, the fact that you're rhyming off names of uh, you know, individuals that uh, had a lot to do with your development of your, yourself and your teammates. Yeah, well, like I said, like, like we're super lucky. I, I can remember, I only know this because, uh, you know, my, it was my dad's law partner, but I remember Ms. Rose, uh, my dad telling me he thought Ms. Lillard spent $5,000 out of his own pocket just to get us extra ice time, you know, extra practices and um, you know, there's, there's not many people that would do that for, for, for novice kids, you, you know, uh, um, uh, I, I can remember Mr. Boss having, uh, we would have ball hockey, you know, cause we couldn't get ice. We'd have ball hockey practices to, uh, study positioning. Um, you know, Mr. LaRose body, uh, uh, he, he rented an industrial, uh, factory so we could, put on rollerblades and shoot against a wall. You know, we called it the shooting gallery. So, um, you know, lots of little things like that. Like, uh, and then, then I also remember coaches who were, you know, hard eyes. You know, like I remember, uh, there's a couple of times, you know, Mr. Blanchard, big player from my area. He had a really good road career. Uh, you know, Mr. Tardiff was a coach and, you know, you miss a workout or something like that. And they, they no, they'd let you know if they were putting in the work, uh, you were putting in the work, you know, you, so, so the, 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 there, there was an athlete, you know, I think you, I think you, it was, it was a working town, you know, people, people work there. And if, if other people were putting in the effort, you were expected to put in the same effort. I think that's a good way to put it. So I want to ask you about other sports because other players we've had on this uh, podcast really, really were from the era where they were good athletes all around. They're passionate about hockey. They're passionate about other sports. Did you have a similar experience? Were there other sports you played and excelled in? Yeah, I was. I was. Uh, you know, I, I I would never say I was. I was really good at hockey. I was really good at lacrosse when I was younger. Um, uh, it was box lacrosse. So um, uh, they had like 
this is way back when I was really young. They had ratings back then. I, I was in the top five of the province. You know, I was just a big kid who was, you know, decent hands in lacrosse. And, um, I think when I turned 12 or 13, um, you know, I had to make a decision whether I was going to, uh, uh, you know, play in the summer because hockey started to be a year round thing. You had to go in summer tournaments and things. There was just no future on lacrosse, right? So obviously I went with hockey, but um, yeah, I, I, I wish I would have continued playing, um, you know, lacrosse because I, I was really good at it. But more importantly, like the, the, the whole hockey year round thing, you know, if I, you know, if my kids play, um, I, I, I don't think I'll, have you know have them in hockey year round i think it's too much and it becomes a job too young i i was about to say did you have any regrets about that losing lacrosse because we've we've heard time and time again from players that played before the era we're in today that they they recognize how much those other sports ex- helped support their hockey game and in many ways we're into this year-round hockey from what i've been told now where the kids sometimes get burnt out or they're not using other skills and other situations. Yeah, no, I, I 100% regret it. I mean, my, my, my dad kind of, uh, uh, you know, he kind of told me he thought it was a bad idea. Like I, you know, I was pretty good at it, but I think because I was really good at it, um, you, you know, like, uh, the way it worked in lacrosse is, is you, there'd be like, basically you, you, there'd be one year you moved up and then you'd be in that age group for two years. So when I was, when I was in my second year of the same age group, it wasn't very challenging. Right. Cause I was, I, you know, like I was, I was a big kid and it was hard to get the ball off me. Right. So, um, you know, but I, I do wish, especially just the running aspect, you know, like, um, you know, lacrosse is such short sprints and it's, it's really, you know, agility and things like that. And, Instead of playing a sport and having fun, I was doing that stuff in in gyms and on on track and field. So, so it didn't make much sense. You know, probably somewhere out there, I do hope there's a movement for someone to look at hockey players and say, um, shut down when it used to be the time to shut down for the summertime. Have them explore other other sports and then come back and train. I think there would be a benefit from uh, from what we've heard before from athletes that have excelled. Yeah, 100%. I agree with you, 110%. I think, I also think there should be that, uh, that hunger, you know, when, when, you know, you're kind of looking forward to going to the rink and getting to go to the rink again. It shouldn't be just a, just a given, you know, and, and, uh, but the problem is, is, is if now, if, if you don't have the year round hockey, you know, you, you are a step behind for probably a month or two. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to see someone prove that differently. It'd be great if someone's out there because uh, that whole burnout factor and the hunger and the, the psychological factor, I think there's something to be said there. So let's move up now to tell us about your journey being drafted by, I assume you were drafted by the Belleville Bulls. And I, I noted that you uh, had played with stars like Jason Spezza, who was a top uh, NHL pick. So Tell us about what led to your Belleville experiences. Uh, yeah, so I was a, um, like, I played junior B at 15, so I was a pretty high prospect in the OHL draft, and uh, it wasn't, like, really a given I was going to go first round. Uh, I remember at the OHL draft, it was in Mississauga, and uh, I remember uh, I went there with my my stepdad, and, uh, you know, uh, he, he there was, back then they gave you, like, kind of like a, 
a pamphlet where you could write all the names of everybody who got drafted in order. So my dad wrote first 16 names down and then he went to go get a, a beer. And uh, the next, he gave me the pamphlet to write the next name. And uh, the next name that was called was mine. Oh, wow. So, so he, he missed me getting drafted. He was all, yeah. Oh, geez. Period. Uh, so he came, he came when I was up on stage, uh, um, you know, saying hi to Brad Vaughn and, uh, you know, the, that's a high draft pick, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. I went 17th overall and yeah, it was, I was super lucky and uh, super lucky to be a part of, uh, you know, that community in Belleville and, um, you know, play for the Bulls who have a massive history and, and, uh, you know, I was right in, uh, Doc Vaughn was the owner of that team passed away a couple of years back, but, uh, uh, I billeted with, uh, my, my first year I billeted with, uh, a, a, you know, a good, good guy stay in touch with Earl and Natasha, right. Uh, and then, um, I, I moved to, uh, Joe and Lisa Chinook who were, who was, uh, Lisa, Lisa was Doc Vaughn's daughter. And to this day, you know, um, I keep in touch with him and all their kids and them and all their kids. And, uh, I, I couldn't ask to be part of a better uh, community and a better family. And not many people know about that billeting experience. I, I suppose it's not easy to leave home when you're at that age. Um, how old would you have been? I was 15 when I left home. So yeah, that, that was probably the hardest part um, for me. I mean, it, it, made, it made it easier. I was, uh, you know, I had really good billets, uh, you know, both times. Uh, I, but I, I'm the oldest of five. So, you know, I, I had uh, three younger brothers and a younger sister. Um, and... Uh, you know, I, I think it was pretty hard on them. I was the older brother. They, they all looked up to me and, um, I was, you know, hands on with a lot of them too. So, um, you know, I, I think there was, there was definitely a growing pain and even though I didn't show it, I think it was, it was, it was hard to leave home. Yeah. I imagine that's still the way it is right now for a uh, Canadian hockey league. It, it can't be easy for players to, to move and there's gotta be some, some good and bad to it. Well, a hundred percent and build billets, you know, they do such a great job. Uh, you know, they, they open up their houses and they let these young kids come in and, you know, you're, you're a young teenager. So you're not always, uh, you're not always on the up and up, but, uh, you know, they, they definitely, um, you know, they're, they're definitely become my, at least in my experience and my mind were second parents and, and friends. Yeah. So you made the team, um, Looks like your first year, you played almost all the games, 58 games, and the steady, um, steady regular um, performance, it seems. Were you playing center then for Belleville? Uh, yep, I was playing center. I think my line mates for that year, if I remember correctly, were uh, Rain Carnegie and uh, Mark Rankort. Uh, two, you know, I, 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 yeah, I kept in touch with them over the years a little bit. Um, we we had a super, a really good team though. Uh, you know, Matt Stajan was on that team. We we had Kyle Wellwood. Kyle Wellwood was uh, he was our superstar. He was leading the entire uh, junior league in scoring. So uh, it, it was pretty cool to, um, you know, to to play with those guys and and to like learn from them. You know, like a, a gr- you know, grow up in Walla and you think you're you're at the top and then you, you, you know, you get to junior and you realize like, wow, like there's a lot of really good hockey players, you know? And then you, 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 you know, through all my career, there's so many times I had that same, that's You know, you get, you, I got, I remember in Belleville thinking like, uh, you know, in training camp, uh, we had Jonathan Chichu was there from, cause he played there the year before and he was waiting to go to camp in San Jose and, 
watching him and thinking, oh my gosh, like he's so good. And then, you know, if you fast forward from junior and you get to NHL camp and it's the same, you know, same feeling. Oh my gosh. Like, I, you know, I, I don't know if I could, you know, so it, it's, uh, it, it, it was, a, that's a big jump. That's a big jump for the kids out there to, you know, to go from wherever you're playing midget or, you know, junior B, junior C, tier two, junior A, uh, and to go to junior where, you know, you're essentially practicing your, your only reason for being there is, is to play hockey. Right. So, uh, it, it's, it becomes a job, you know, it's not, not like the pros, but it's still, still a job. And, and it was cool. It, it, it instilled in me like a work ethic and, uh, you know, like a, like a hunger, you know, but at the same time, um, looking back and, and, you know, I, I see this with a grain of salt cause you, you know, who knows, I'll think, but I, I wish I would have, um, still took the time to, to enjoy being young and, and, uh, um, you know, not have, not, not take everything so, so seriously. Cause you know, you, you, you know, you, you really believe that, uh, you know, it, it, every win is the greatest thing ever and every loss is the worst thing ever. And, and, you know, I, I got really caught up in that at a young age. Yeah. And that, that must be difficult to do at that age, but, um, yeah, you're still a human being. Um, it's hard not to put too much pressure on yourselves. You've got an opportunity that you're playing in the the best development league in the world. So you probably want to take advantage of uh, that opportunity as much as you can. So, I see that you um, you talked about a role changing before. So, so were any other highlights in Belleville uh, before you moved on to Owen Sound? Do you want to share with us? Uh, you know, Belleville. I learned. Um, you know, I learned if I was going to make, if I was going to play like a full pro career, if I was going to make the jump, I probably wasn't going to be a goal scorer. You know, I probably wasn't going to be. Uh, um, you know, it wasn't like back home in Welland where, you know, uh, you can make tic-tac-toe plays and, you know, uh, I was kind of more of a checker, you know, I had to fight sometimes, uh, we're more defensive a little bit, even, you know, even though people, old teammates would watch, with watching now would probably laugh that I had to be a little defensive in junior, but, um, yeah, the, like that, that was, that was a big learning curve for me. Um, you know, it, it uh, I was a pretty, uh, I, you know, I, I would say I, I was confident and a little bit on the arrogant side, you know, as a lot of young people are. And, and, um, that took a lot for me to kind of swallow, swallow my pride and, and kind of play a role. You know? But then when you watch guys like, uh, uh, you know, Valwood and Spezza and even, even Maddie Stajan after the first couple of years, like you, you see what they could do offensively. Um, you, you realize pretty quick. You know, you're not going to be that, so you better find uh, somewhere else to fit in. Yeah, and um, were there any successes with that team in terms of being like uh, near the top of the, the the league or anything with the Belleville? Yeah, so we uh, we were a really good team actually. We had uh, one year we had the top, uh, I think the top three in scoring on our team. We had uh, Wellwood, Renzi, and Wellwood. Who was it? Uh, Wellwood. Branko Radovojevic and Randy Rowe. I think they're the, I think I I think they're the top three. So they're they're right up there. We we had, you know, super lucky to get to watch those guys. And um, uh, you know, and then we when we traded for Spezza, um, you know, we we were we were picked to win it that year. 
lost, uh, I think we lost to Barry in the second round. Oh. And, so you uh, got to experience some real, um, you know, top level playing. Not everyone gets to play on a top team, right? So and with that comes exposure yeah, from scouts. and A hundred percent. I don't think I understood the, you know, back then, you know, guy, you know, before games, you know, guys just say things, you know, scouts are in the stands and, you know, like, uh, you know, like, like this is, you know, it's games like this where you're going to make the next jump and, you know, I, you repeat those lines, but you, you know, I don't think looking back, like I didn't really, you know, get it. Like, you know, like Belleville when I was there and then Owen Sound kind of the same thing when I was there, you know, that was, that was my whole world, you know, like, you know, you, you're, coaches kind of you know your 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 father figure and you're trying to make them happy and uh um you know you, you're playing away from home and i'm away from my uh brothers and sisters and my parents and uh you know if i i figure if i'm if i'm there i better we better be winning so yeah so then in Sound, your last season with them 64 games 16 yep. goals 30 assists 46 points had you yep. been drafted um, before that year of to Montreal? Yeah, I got drafted. I think uh, I think it was we were the 2002 draft. Uh, yeah. If I'm not mistaken, uh, I got drafted uh, 182 to Montreal. Was the That's right. Pick. Yeah, it was a huge honor. Uh, well, obviously going to an original six. So, um, you know, I don't think I really, I don't think I really understood the history until you know you get there and you realize you know that, and that was my first like. Oh my gosh, you know, like yeah. this is uh So let's yeah. talk about that. Do you remember the draft day? What was that experience like for your fam you and your family? Uh so I, I went on the second day. Um, you know, I, I remember being uh I well you know, it it was mixed feelings because um obviously, you know, you're there, you want to get drafted. And I went the first day and I saw my best friend uh Pie get drafted first round. I saw Stage get drafted uh second round. Um uh, you know, I saw lots of guys that played with and against get drafted and then I didn't go first day. So I was pretty, you know, I was pretty not, not angry, but, uh, you know, I, I, you know, you want what others have, obviously, you know, you want to get drafted. So, um, then, uh, I'll never forget. I'll never forget after, uh, Matt stage and got drafted to the league. He came back and sat with me the second day and, uh, you know, I ended up going, uh, uh sixth round in Montreal and. You know, all, all the, all the feelings I felt on day one where I was sad went away and, uh, you know, I was just so happy to get drafted. You know, that was kind of like, uh, um, you know, a, a milestone, you know, for me where, where, you know, a lot of people said all throughout my career, you know, even before junior, you know, no chance you're going to make junior. And then once I was in junior, no chance you'll ever, you know, uh, get drafted the NHL, NHL and, uh, that that was pretty cool. I could never be taken away from me, you know, uh, to get to the NHL and uh, um, to have uh, Andre Savard was the one who drafted me. So okay. that was pretty uh, pretty cool too. So yeah. And um, did you get to share that experience with your your family that day? What was that like? Uh no. So it was just kind of uh, my 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 stepdad and I and Toronto was the draft was in Toronto and uh, you know obviously my my. My my uh, parents were my dad was super excited. My mom was never you know uh, it's, it's it's gonna sound weird her parents out there, but she was never really into the whole hockey thing. She just she liked it. She 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 liked it because 
I played, you know, and, uh, you know, I remember telling her I got drafted to the Canadian. She was like, that's great, babe. You know, like I hope it works out, you know? So like, you know, that, that, that's my mom, you know, she was a kind of prestigious doctor and, and you know, so, so it, was, it, it was cool, but obviously back home and like, you know, and, and it's all well into hockey town. So, and, uh, you know, Belleville, the community of Belleville is a hockey community. So obviously, you know, I had a lot of, uh, support and a lot of people were really happy and proud of me. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you're drafted in 2002. Yep. Uh, you last played junior hockey in 2003 with Owen Sound. Yep. And then there's a number of years and, uh, you know, talking about your perseverance and, you know, maybe being told that you would never make it to the next step. Yep. Um, tell us about the journey between that time and the time that leads up to you playing your first NHL game in 2008 with Toronto Maple Leafs. I don't think that can be taken very lightly that, you know, you, you maybe decide that you could have packed it in at some point along the way and, and not pursued the NHL. Yeah. Oh, I, I tried to actually quit a couple of times. Um, uh, all right. So I, I, I didn't sign with Montreal. Um, that was when Bob Gainey took over. So, um, you know, most of the draft picks for my, it didn't sign there on, so I went, uh, I went as a free agent, uh, my last year to, um, Traverse city with Tampa and, uh, out of Traverse city, I got a contract, uh, offer from, uh, from Tampa Bay. Jay Feaster offered me a contract. I remember, and, you know, he said, I really wasn't going to sign anybody from here, but I'm going to give you an opportunity to, you know, come to camp, see if you make the, the our team in the AHL. And I got super lucky and, and me and our team are, are coach there was Dirk Graham so obviously a guy like I grew up you know that's right a bi- biracial player yeah so so, yeah. so uh you know for for me you know just seeing uh somebody that, you know that looked like him at that level and yeah. and um you know that that was that was a big deal for me and he was a pretty intense guy and, and uh, you know uh, and, and I worked my way onto that team you know I I, I literally fought my way onto that team. <laughs> so, um um, you know, and, and that was for me, I was told a long, for a long time, that was going to be my NHL, you know, that was going to be it for me. That was, you know, I, I worked my way to the, the AHL and I, you know, I was playing against some of the best players in the world, guys who had super, you know, amazing NHL careers who were up and down. My first year playing in the NHL was actually the lockout year. Okay. That's with Springfield. Yeah. That was with Springfield. Yep. So. Um, you know, historic, uh, minor league team as well, too. Lots of history there. Exactly. So, uh, so yeah, so I played there for, um, you know, a couple of years and then, um, and then, you know, as things do in, in hockey, you know, management changes and directions change. And, um, um, you know, I also went through, I think, uh, a period where, you know, I, I really, um, I, I didn't really know my role anymore. You know, when, when new guys come in and, you know, they're expected to play a role and you, you're kind of figuring out where you fit in, um, you know, it's, it's easy to fall through a crack. So I actually got sent down to, um, uh, Johnstown. Okay. Pennsylvania. Yeah. I have uh, to ask you about that. Uh, so for sure. It can't be easy yeah. figuring out what your role is and you're, you're still trying to be like that solid, you know, yeah. uh, two way player. 
But then yeah. Johnstown Chiefs is that that's the uh, hometown of the Chiefs from the uh, yeah from also like and it, it wasn't was, the same arena or anything that, that it was, was the same, it was the same arena. I remember getting down there at our first. Uh, you know, we had there was like uh I got it was middle of the year, so they were having their Christmas party, and it was at the Aces from we straight from the movie. So, you know, uh, pretty early on, like you know, and and zero, you know, chirping, you know, anybody, and and but I, I just, you know, I I thought I was, um, you know, I took hockey very seriously, and. I felt at that level, there were some guys that took it seriously and some guys that didn't. And, um, it, you know, it just, it, 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 you know, for me being away from home and, um, you know, being away from family and stuff, um, you know, I, I needed to get back to, to the AHL where I felt like I belonged and, and, you know, to get, and at the same time, you know, I was down in the East coast league and I was watching some of my good friends, you know, Matt stage and, in the NHL playing for the Leafs. My uh, Pae was in the NHL playing for the Sabres back then and stuff. So obviously watching those guys and, you know, I, like I can name 20 other guys who, who I played against or with, and you'll obviously want to, you know, do as good, if not better than your friends. Right. So. And you're uh, trying to find out um, what role again, you would fit in to be a need, right? At the higher no, level. And, and I don't think, you know, you, you take it personally back then, uh, back then, like I did take it personally, but management wasn't that high of, you know, anymore. They, they, they found other guys and that's just, you know, uh, every year there's a draft, right? Exactly. Yeah. And, and, that, and that's the way the business rolls. But when you're young and you don't understand that you take things personally and it wears on you and, um, you know, you don't know how to deal with it and you don't know how to deal with like rejection, you know, especially especially when you've been doing so well for so many years. So that was a huge learning curve for me. And, um, you know, I, I tried to, I actually tried to go home a couple of times when I was in Johnstown, I tried to go home and, uh, you know, I remember my dad telling me, um, you know, my agent saying, you know, you're going to have to go home and get a real job. And I was like, yeah, I'm fine with that. And they actually convinced me to go back and give it, you know, a little bit more time that's what I did. And I ended up getting traded from, um, uh, spring or uh, Tampa to Atlanta. And Atlanta. Okay. Is Atlanta's farm team, Chicago wolves. That was Chicago wolves back then. And that was probably the greatest thing that could have ever happened to me. You know? So that was, that was where, that was where I learned, uh, John Anderson was the coach and, uh, former yeah. Toronto Maple Leaf, John Anderson. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, it was, it was unbelievable playing for him. It was, I had to play with guys like uh, Jason Krog and Darren Hadar and, uh, you know, I, I remember Nico Dimitrakos, and, uh, Mark Popovic, and we had uh, Freddie Brathwaite on our team, you know, so. Um, did, did you ask for a trade or did it just turn out that it, so this they traded, was. They traded for uh, Andy Delmore, you know, who's a very good offensive defenseman and I was kind of a throw in with him where, uh, I had no idea what was happening. I, you know, I never even crossed my mind it could get traded. And, uh, it was, you know, looking back, that was, uh, that was the start of big things for me, you know? I, yeah. Cause, um, you know, those, those seasons in 2007 and eight with Chicago, yeah, 66 games, your point totals went up to 18 points and then, uh, then, then over to the Marlies. Yeah. So, uh, so I, I was like, uh, uh, a role player in Chicago, a hundred percent. I was on the third line of silver. My line mates, Kyle uh, or Colin Stewart and uh, Kevin Dole. 
And, um, you know, we were kind of all, you know, I was the checker, but we were kind of all rats. You know, we'd call him and we'd play against the other team's top lines. Yeah, just cause havoc and get in the corners. And and it was great because, uh, you know, we had such a good team. I think that year, you know, I I think think my first year, um, my first year we had a better team there than my second year. And we we shook, we were going to, we probably were going to win. Uh, the Calder Cup that year, and we ran into uh, Carey Price and Hamilton, and we we were getting uh, I mean, we were getting something like seventy shots a game, and we were losing games two one in overtime. Carey Price came out a junior, so that was disappointing. But I I, I got to resign there and, and play with the same guys, and we won the Calder Cup the next year. I think we lost we lost something like twenty two games all year, and it was one of the uh, so to this day, it's some of the the most fun I've ever had playing hockey. You know, going to the, going to the rink with kind of like, uh, you know, kind of not cocky, but like a swagger. You know, you get you're the team to beat, and uh, you know, I I definitely felt I was a big part of that team, and uh, um, you know, it definitely uh, it definitely made me, um, uh, you know, really appreciate and really be thankful for hockey. If you're enjoying Recognize and thinking about starting your own hockey card collection, I'd suggest you start with eBay. eBay is all about connecting communities and feeling passions. Because of its thriving card collector community, I was able to make my dream come true by collecting the rookie cards of the NHL's black and biracial players. Start your own collection at ebay.ca slash hockey cards. So it shows how different environments and confidence it's such a, you know, it's such a fragile um, thing for athletes to experience. So it sounds like that's just what you needed, the change of environment uh, that just worked in your favor moving to Chicago. Yeah, I always tell, you know, I, I say this to, to people all the time, but my experience, you know, a, a positive change of scenery is always a good thing. You know, you, you kind of, um, you know, no matter what you're doing in life and in my experience, um, it's a reset, right? Yeah. Things get stale, you know, or, or you, things get complacent, uh, you get complacent or people get complacent having you there. Um, you know, and, uh, um, you know, if you don't make changes, you, you don't grow. And I, I did a lot of growing in Chicago, you know, as a player and as a person, cause I, you know, in Chicago, uh, watching some of those players and the way they handled themselves and the way they um, approached the game and the way they approached um, winning, you know, before that, um, you know, I was very, um, you know, serious all the time when it came to hockey. And I was very, you know, and, you know, I learned from some of veteran guys that it was such a long season and it was such um you know, you were working so hard that you might as well have fun doing it. You know, you might as well go and, you know, obviously you're still taking it serious and stuff, but more of a kind of, um, uh, you know, not too high, not too low mentality, you know, let's see how today goes. And if it, uh, if it doesn't go well, you know, tomorrow we'll make adjustments, but we're kind of looking after your own well, overall well being, I guess. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And and that that was a huge, uh, that, that was a big turning point in my career for sure. Yeah. So then the big moment then leading up to uh, being called up to the Maple Leafs and tell us how all that went down from 
moving over to the Marlies and then playing your first NHL game with the Maple Leafs in 2009. Yeah, so I... Oh, sorry, uh, 2008, sorry. You went yeah, to the Marlies earlier, yeah. Yeah, so I was, uh, I, I came, I signed with Tr- the Marlies and obviously, you know, signing with Toronto was, you know, massive for me. Just, just you know, we, I was on high. We just won a Calder Cup. Um, you know, I was so happy and, and uh, then getting the chance to sign in with the Maple Leafs who, you know, they were, they were after me, which was, you know, pretty surreal for a kid from Walland. And uh, uh, I started the year and we started out pretty well. We had a pretty good team, uh, you know, we, Guys like Chris Newberry and uh, Jeremy Williams, and uh, um, you know we we had uh, some offensive talent, and you know I, I was actually expected to be a little bit more offensive than I was in Chicago too. So it was cool getting an opportunity that way too to be on a power play. You know, guys like Bates Battaglia and uh, uh, Stephen Cronwall was uh, he was he was our probably our, one of our best at that. Anton Strawman was another guy, um, so. You know, getting a chance to play with those guys, and then uh, you know, I was I was chipping in quite a bit offensively early on. So, uh, um, it was it was it was kind of surreal to you know things uh things went really well right away, and you know, uh, guys like uh, Tim Stapleton and Yuri Tulusti were there, and and um, you know, so I remember being on the power play, you know, a few times with those guys, and you know, being being in awe of you know, how easy they made things look and how, how easy it was to, to score, you know, I get backdoor tap-ins from guys like that. Um, and then, uh, I remember, uh, you know, Toulouse was the guy that usually went up and down from the Marlies and the Leafs. And then, uh, Jeff Jackson, he was the, uh, I think, I think he was the, the GM of the Marlies that year. He was up and down, um, between the Leafs and the Marlies and, he came in the room one day and he said, oh, you know, like, uh, you, you know, Yuri, you're not going up this time. Devo's going up. And I, I, you know, I, I didn't know what to do. You know, I remember, uh, you know, I, it was, it was just like, I remember packing my bag and just, you know, I had to, I had to join the team. The team was waiting, uh, for me and, uh, they were at the Toronto airport and, uh, the, 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 the sky charter, they were waiting, they were holding the plane for me until they were flying out to Ottawa. So I was, rushing in my car to get there and trying to, uh, you know, I was on the phone with store, the guy that, uh, you know, coordinated everything. How, how, you know, how do I get, I was, my palms are sweating and I remember getting on the plane and looking down the whole, the whole plane was seated and, uh, you know, I'm getting on with my hockey bag and, and, uh, you know, just, just looking there and looking at all the guys and, you know, I couldn't believe it. You know, you look, you look, uh, like that, you know, you see guys like Jason Blake and Stage and Antropov, Ponikrovsky and Pavel Kabina and you know, Kujo was on that plane. You know, like, uh, you, you know, it, it's, it, it seems, um, it seems surreal, you know, it just seemed. And at the same time, um, you know, it wasn't that long before where, you know, things weren't going so well. So, um, you know, there, there's obviously a lot of pressure, um, you know, uh, but, uh, you know, I, I was, I was basically willing to do anything, you know, I, I just wanted to be there and I wanted to, to, you know, to help the team win any way I could. And, and, you know, I was willing to do whatever they asked me. Yeah. So looking back where you kind of pinching yourself from being drafted in 2002 and now you finally made it 2008, that must've been very, uh, yeah, like, uh, you know, I, I remember it's it's hard to 
to say like, you know, you're, you're kind of, when you're in it, you're caught in the moment kind of, and it's hard to, you know, to look back and like really see how far you can, you know, I look back at it now and it, and it's pretty amazing. You know, it's, it's pretty, and it, you know, zero, um, you, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not patting myself on the back, but I'm saying that, you know, the, the way life is, you know, with the opportunities that, you know, it doesn't work out somewhere and you're the lowest of the lows and then you go somewhere else and, and a few things happen and it just propels you to these massive heights that you don't think you're ever going to, uh, you're, you're ever going to achieve. And, and, uh, you know, I, I remember a lot of things in Toronto. Um, you know, I, I remember going, we we're doing hospital visits, um, at, at sick kids and, you know, I got paired off with Jason Blake and, uh, Curtis Joseph and I remember you know the kids would be so excited to see Cujo and I was too <laughs> yeah, that's right yeah. I was playing on his team you know yeah. so yeah. Uh, you know it's it's kind of unbelievable when when you're there but at the same time like you, you know you, you are there for a job right so like as cool as it is um you know guys take it really seriously and things go well it's awesome and when things don't go well it's not so awesome so so it's it's kind of one of those catch-22s where you know um, you're living your dream and and but there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes and a lot of work you know i know people know how to work hard and they they but you know your 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 whole being is is playing and you know, they, they, they're, they're reviewing every one of your shifts and you, you, you have to perform every time you're out there. And so it's, you know, it was awesome, the opportunity, but it's, I, I don't, uh, looking back, like, you know, it was, it was a lot of pressure really weighed on me, especially the fighting, especially the fighting. Yeah. So, and then that was part of your role that you made that decision with. And I, I've had some guests on the show have, haven't flinched for a moment when they were fine. They just said, that's why I did. That was my role. And I asked them, how, how did it feel the night before or after? Or just, you know, a goal scorer is going to be looking at film of what he needs to do for the next day. If you're fighting, playing this truculent style, it's a little bit different for you, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's, you know, when you, when you're, when you're, when you're likely, it depends on, you know, fighting guys that are, you know, my size or bigger and, and, you know, you're one punch away from getting knocked out or hurt and, um, you know, it's, it, it's definitely where leading up to the fight's the worst part. Once you, once you fought, you're fine, but it's, it's, um, it's being ready that you have to answer the bell at any time, uh, isn't it? Yeah. And like, you know, it's the guy, you know, I remember, uh, you know, you, you see guys on the other team and I was willing to do it. Like, you know, I, I was, I was decent. I was a decent fighter. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't have any, uh, I, I never thought I was the toughest or, you know. Yeah, you know, but I, I could hold my own and I was willing to do it. But more importantly, like, um, you know, I, I always took pride in the fact that um, I always said to myself, there, there's not one teammate, you know, whether they like me or not, that's ever going to say that I didn't stick up for them, you know, and I, and I, I could confidently say that. Like, I, I, I stuck up for everybody. If, if I played with them, I stuck up for them. And, um, you know, that's that was my goal was, um, you know, I, I may lose a fight here or there. I may not, um, you know, I, you know, depending on who you're fighting, you know, you, you, 
showing up's the the big thing, and I I stuck up for everybody my whole career. But I I could say that with uh, I could look in the mirror and say that right in the eyes. So I, I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty proud of that. And people say the um, the tougher players and enforcers are often the most liked players on the team. Is is it because of that? Um, you know support or is it, is it you're, you're basically keeping people alive are you not yeah well, well it's uh you, you know got guys guys know who you know who's uh who's sticking up for them because you know obviously every night especially if you're a good player somebody's coming after you so you know you better you know you better be on uh you you're know, creating space for them right? yeah you know you're, you're creating space i, I used to i i used to laugh at in Chicago back in the day when uh Krog and Hadar there'd be some guy hitting them and yeah. there's Volab Boris Volabic and uh myself on the team and you know they would they would look down the bench at one of us and both you know Bobo and I would start laughing. Oh is she bugging you, you know <laughs> you just you know and then the next shift we go out and and uh you know handle business. But um yeah. You know, that, that was a part of what I did. And, and to be honest with you, like, uh, you know, I probably wouldn't have made the NHL. Well, that's the role, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. That was, that was my role. And I was, I was one of those weird players, um, in the sense where, um, you know, from the Marley's on, I kind of got quite a few points in the NHL yeah. and, you know, I, I, but I need to play on the power play to get those points. So, uh, in the NHL, there was no chance I was ever going to be on the power play. <laughs> so, yeah. so, um, so, you know, you, you have to, um, you have to figure out pretty quickly where you fit in. And that, that's, I think if, if I had to say something about, um, you know, if you have younger viewers or, or like hockey parents, I think that was my superpower. I, I, I honestly looking back and, and that's what, what I would teach my kids is, you know, I, I was able to look in a room very quickly after like a practice, you know, or two and assess very quickly where I fit in, you know, and what, or, or what this team needed that I can do. And, um, you know, um, you know, I, I developed a lot of skills throughout my career that, um, prolonged my career and, uh, um, that is something that um, I think if you're not blessed with all the talent in the world, because, you know, you learn pretty quickly, you have to be blessed with all the talent in the world. If that's the role you're going to play, you have to learn a bunch of um, a, a bunch of different things, a bunch of different ways to fit in. Um, so, Andre, I want to ask you a few questions now about uh, diversity, inclusion and any experiences you've had with racism. And I want to first start by in your era when you're starting to play junior hockey and NHL, those leagues are becoming quite diverse. And I've heard you mention various names and maybe you could just share with us how many players that are black and biracial you, you recall playing again, uh, with, I guess, just stick with the with from junior into the NHL. Well, uh, in junior, I played with, uh, well, one of our, in junior in Belleville, we had Nate Robinson on my team. He oh, that's right. Yeah. Got him in the collection. Yeah. He yeah. was one of the leading scores on our team um you know but to be honest with you when it when i was first coming up uh you know they were few and far between no um you know there wasn't you know i remember when i was known sound joel ward was a couple of years uh ahead of okay me. yeah um uh, i went to chicago i was teammates with freddie brathwaite which was okay. the coolest you know i i remember i i, I remember one of the coolest you know side note with freddie was um i was we were back in the back playing cards and um, 
I was like, you know, I, I'd have my iPod or not my iPod or my iPod. Yeah. And I'd be listening. Freddie would like take my headphone every now and then to see what I was listening to. And then I remember, um, welcome to Atlanta came on. I was like, Freddie, you know, this one. And he's like, do I know this one? Devo? He's like, pull your phone and look at the video. And he was in the video. <laughs> oh, was he? <laughs> I've, never, I've never been so amazed in my entire life. Like, oh my gosh, like this, you know, that's, that's the coolest thing I've ever seen. You know, he was literally in the video in his jersey. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that was, uh, that, that was pretty cool. And then, not, uh, you know, then Dirk Graham, you know, he was my coach. Um, you know, like to me, Robbie Earl, I noticed here too with, uh, Marley's maybe. You were with Robbie Earl? Or how Robbie Earl? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yes, they, that's he, right. He, there, there was another really good. See, I played with so many good players. Hard to remember. It's, so, I mean, that in itself, when I go back to the the other guys I interviewed, like um, Tony McKegney, you might have heard of, played in Buffalo and Val James. There's really few and far between. So I, I'm just capturing that in your era. It was sort of the start of the growth of uh, more diversity in general. Yeah, that's, and that's a big reason why I did your podcast, to be honest. Um, you know, I don't usually do these things. I I, I always, um, you know, I, I fear everybody has an angle and I'm, you know, I'm an easy guy to have an angle with and, you know, portray a certain way. And, but, um, you know, I do believe that hockey, um, when I played, you know, it's getting better now, but there, there was a, uh, a, a big gap, you know, there was, um, you know, I, I always felt like, I don't want to say there, you know, you, you never want to say that guy stood out, but I, I always felt that, um, you had to operate a little differently. You had to, you couldn't be yourself. You, you, you had to accept things. Yeah. You, 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 had, you had to accept things that that's just the way it was. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and you know, know I, and I think that's putting color aside. I just think there's a lot of traditions in hockey. There's traditions in other sports like baseball and it's had to evolve, but, but some of that rigidity, it doesn't open up to make people feel as comfortable as they could be either as fans or players or coaches or different perspectives. Right. You know, like, you know, I, I was always a, uh, you know, I, I always played on the line. So, um, you know, I, I always stood out quite a bit, um, you know, and I think fans would be surprised how many times, you know, you do something on your own and how many times you're told to do something, but it doesn't matter. You're still, you're still doing it. You're still the one everybody portrays that way. But, um, uh, you know, so when you play like that, um, you're, you're provoking a lot. Um, you're, and you're, you're bringing a lot of, uh, attention, attention on yourself. And, um, you know, you could picture, you know, if, 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 if I'm, if I'm going and, you know, hitting the other team's best players or, or, you know, and there's no answer for it, or, or I beat, I beat up some, you know, some kid pretty bad and there's no, there's nobody else, you know, what do you, what do you think guys are going to start doing or saying to get under my skit, right? To, to throw me off and 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 you know that's you know like i i've heard horrible things said on the beside you know net, not even recently why not even not even that stuff like just things that are way offside it was the it was the way it was you know it was that guys didn't set anything to to get an edge and that's Anything for edge, yeah. And I think we're better as a society and better um, in sports leagues in general 
recognizing that, um, you know, things can go too far. And, and again, it's, it's, it's uh, stretches past the players in the game It stretches into who's your audience and whether they feel they're welcome in a game. So I definitely could, uh, social. Well, I, I do feel, and I, and I do think it's really important what you're doing. It's a big reason why I'm here because, um, you, you know, there were times in my, you know, I, I, I'm a super lucky guy and I would never, uh, complain about the career I had or, you know, I, and all, all the trials I had all the times it didn't go well, you know, looking back, it, it meant something. I was going through that for a reason. I truly believe that. Um, you know, that being said, like I did notice there was a lot of times where you look around and like, you don't see a lot of players like you, you know, you or, or people that look like you, you know, and, uh, and, uh, you know, that, that's, that's not a knock on anybody. That's not a knock on hockey. That's not a knock on, uh, on the coaching or the people that pick the teams. That's your, I, I just think that, you know, we have to do a better job, uh, growing the game. And I think, uh, hockey should tap into that potential, you know, they have, the more you grow the game, whether, you know, not even just black, you know, that's right. Asian, Indian, what, what, all equities, serving groups. Yeah. You know, like Toronto's, especially where I am, it's such a diverse place. And we gotta, we gotta tap into that talent pool to, to, grow the game and, and uh, um, you know, to make the next generation of fans. Yeah. And you made me think of a few things I've said before, like the NBA, when Magic Johnson, and Larry Bird came on board, it changed the league and it evolved when Michael Jordan played. And there, there was a time where the NHL was on par in terms of viewership with the NBA and the NBA did some things differently, I think, to invite more people into the game and whether that being fans or, or other, uh, participants. So you spent some time in the U.S. as well. You played for Chicago Wolves. I'm sure you saw lots of great athletes around <laughs> around town. They're playing other sports. And, and again, it must cross your mind. Again, like I asked you earlier about, did you play other sports? You probably didn't feel feel uh, limited or any barriers to play the other sports. And maybe you didn't in hockey either. But the the fact of the matter is there, there are people in both countries, if I use those examples, that generally haven't gravitated toward the sports. And and there could be lots of different reasons for it. There's lots of different reasons, but I, I think you, you said it early in the interview. There's uh in, in hockey, there's definitely uh, a, there's some traditions and uh, yeah, tradition. It, it's a little rigid in in some in in some parts, and, and um, you know, you better you at least when I played, you better conform or you weren't going to be there. Yeah, yeah, and uh, um, um. And, and, and you know you, you can bring that all the way down to again the experiences of minor hockey, and and uh, maybe maybe as the higher you got up, maybe traditions um, got reinforced. I don't know, but I think there's still a lot to be said about the early years of who joins the game and who sees themselves in the game, and maybe not everyone needs to see themselves in the game, but for many people, it, uh, black and biracial people and other groups, it's a, it's a big deal. Well, you know, and, and I, I will say this and, you know, like, uh, I, I have to word it properly, but, um, you know, what, you know, when I, when I look at my family, like, in you know, um, you know, in the Bahamas that, you know, uh, some of my cousins are loud and they're flashy and that, that's the way they are. That's their personality. That's how they, you know, they show swag, they show, they show their, um, and, you know, when you're part of a team of, you know, uh, 
20, 25 guys, you know, like uh, that, that's not going to, um, that's not going to fly with everybody. You know, they, you, you, they, 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 a lot of times they don't, you know, they respect the individual and they want you to be part of the team and they, they, they respect your individuality. But at the same time, um, you, you know, there's, there's something there where, um, you know, for some guys, you know, I, I've seen it, it takes a lot away from, you know, their, their confidence, the way they are, you know, and you start trying to tell them to tone it down and, you know, what, what do you mean? This who I am, you know, but, um, you know, I, I was pretty good at, um, you know, keeping things, you know, there, there's definitely times I, I you know, uh, I spoke up when I didn't like things where, you know, sad, like the way they were or, but, um, you know, it, I, I grew up in an era where you had to keep a lot of things to yourself for sure. sure. And, you know, one thing, Andre, I think we're, we're hopeful of is, um, this is a, issue isn't necessarily a minority problem. It's it's a challenge for all of us just to sort of, you know, if we use the term allies, just to sort of stand up for for what's right. And you talked earlier about how at one point in time in your career, you kind of changed and were able to have fun and be competitive at the same time. And I think that's a good example of, you know, just, you know, can the happy medium be found in, in this sport? I think so. And, and uh, you know, I, I think um, opportunity is a big, issue you know hockey's an expensive sport you know compared i i I think that's the biggest barrier for hockey is uh economics because uh you know to play that it's so competitive you know you have to pay all this money oh i i talked to anthony stewart and or uh, chris anthony and chris stewart are two two guys you know and uh you know anthony stewart's a coach and you know you you see what these uh you know talking to him with these kids have to know pay to be competitive with hockey schools and equipment and all that stuff and you know um you know it's no secret a lot of uh you know minorities are in uh, poverty and 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 you know making ends meet so play, playing the most expensive sport probably isn't uh um, yeah and you know and that's true in some cases but i sometimes challenge that to say again if i go back to the united states and and again lots of athletes are playing football baseball um sure there might be little bit easier access, but then again, I think it has to do with, um, or we can't forget the part of like who they see playing the game and and all the way up. I'm not just talking about pro I'm talking about who's playing minor hockey. Yeah. Right? So yeah, well, I, I didn't mention it in your interview, but one of the, I, I, I can remember the first time I saw Grant Fuhrer, uh, play for the Sabres, you know, like I, I thought that was the coolest thing in the world just because of, you know, uh, yeah, you know, like guys can make it who, you know, look, you know, look that way. And, and, um, I remember meeting him once at, uh, you know, the, the, uh, ACC back then. And, uh, you know, I, I still, I thought it was the coolest thing ever to, to see somebody that, uh, you know, broke barriers like that. And, uh, you know, it was a big deal to me and, um, you know, that, that's a big reason. I, I think it's important that, that, um, young kids see the guys who, who they watched and, and, uh, you know, they, they, they listen to their experience. So, so, you know, they, they could, they know they can make it too. Yeah. And, and the numbers over the course of time with my card collection have us up to around a hundred players to black and biracial. That's not taking account other, um, racial groups in the NHL, but to your point, it's nice to have uh, people like you on the show that have played the game that uh that uh have a specific identity 
And it's great for a young person to sort of reflect upon and, and see you know, the contributions that you've made and what you've overcome. And in some cases, uh, your experiences um, may have nothing to do with racism, but just the fact that it's normalizing that uh, you know, lots of people play this game. Yeah, no, and and I I always uh, had the mentality that I I belonged and I I, I deserved to be. I put in the work, and I I don't think I was ever the best player on the team, but I deserved to be there. And and you know any kid that's watching, I would say you do too. You know as long as you put in the work and and uh, you know you're you're an intricate part of the team. It doesn't matter where you're from or, or uh, yeah. um you know uh, um you know, where you grew up or, or what your background is. If, if you're good enough to play, you should be able to play and you belong. So Andre, I want to ask you, um, what makes you optimistic about the future of hockey becoming more inclusive? Things like this. Uh, you know, uh, I watch guys like uh, old teammates like Akeem uh, Alou doing what they're doing. Uh, uh, you know, Mark Frazier working with the Leafs and their diversity program. Um, you know, that, uh, you know, Val James getting recognition he's getting now. Uh, you know, I, I grew up, uh, I played with Rain Carnegie or Herb, Herb Carnegie's, uh, you know, hit him getting the recognition he deserves. Um, I, I, I think that, um, as time goes on, I, I think that when the powers that be, because you know, there are, you, you realize very quickly there's powers that be in hockey. Sure. Uh, when they realize the the talent pool that's there, I, I think you're going to see, um, you know, that there's going to be a concerted effort to to grow the game as much as possible. And I think it's going to be the best thing for the game because, you know, to compete with the big players. I mean, I mean, there's not, you know, I'm, uh, you know, I I I, I could say it straight up. Uh, you know, being from the Bahamas, you know, when I tell people I'm a I, I, I'm a hockey player and I played in the NHL. The, the first thing they'll say, that's a white sport. You know, I'll say, no, it's not, you know, and, uh, but that's the perception and that's what the NHL has to, um, has to change. And, and, you know, um, I, I, I do feel guilty sometimes because, um, you know, I, I have three young kids and, you know, I, I, I've been asked to coach a lot and that was one of the things I always said I I'd love to change in hockey was to have more, um, you know, coaches, minority coaches, because, you know, and that's zero taken away from the coaches I've had, because I've had some unbelievable coaches, you know, and, but I, I think um, for growing the game, having the visibility, having somebody in charge, uh, you know, it's certain making decisions that some minority would be, uh, you know, a big deal. And that's huge testament to Anthony Stewart, because he's, he's kind of breaking barriers there. Yeah, and we've come across so many different players, and uh, yeah, no one says you have to stay in the game. Um, you know, there, there's lots of other ways people contribute and give you advice to players as mentors as well, too. So, so I, um, I want to uh, just have you maybe share what you're up to right now for listeners, so you know what you're up to. Yeah, so I'm your- uh, well, the last uh, three years I've been a firefighter, Pearson Airport. I can uh, actually offer a year though I broke my ankle at work. So. It's the way it goes. It's it's kind of funny. Fifteen years of hockey, no no ankle breaks, and then the two years of firefighting, ankle breaks. So, uh, no, it's it's awesome, and I, I'm super lucky to um, to have found that career because it's it's a lot like hockey. You know, you take away the firefighting and the hockey, it's a lot of the same components. You know, uh, working within a team and having a role and uh, accountability and and things like that. So. Um, 
and it's a cool job. You're, you're helping people. You know, I always, I always say it's, um, you know, it's, it's me paying back. It's, it's a, it's a good karma job because, you know, for, for a lot, long time, I, you know, I had a bad karma job where I had to, you know, beat up people and, and, uh, you know, check people and stuff. So now, now I get to help people, which is, uh, which is a nice change. So, so it's good. I'm looking forward to, you know, my ankle healing up and getting back. Okay. And imagine what that job comes with, maybe some commitment for your physical fitness, similar to hockey. Is that? Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah no, I, we're in the gym and we have training regiments and all that stuff. So it's, it's, uh, you know, the same thing. I'm, I'm on a pretty active shift. I'm on a shift We're we're definitely the best shift. I'm just going to throw that in. And uh, so, so, so we're, we're, uh, we're pretty active and, you know, uh, it's, it's a cool, it's kind of a lifestyle, you know, uh, you, you know, you're, you're there and you're running calls, but you do get some time if, if and some downtime to, to work out and, you know, and, and it's, a, it's a lot like the dressing room, you know, during the downtime, you know, you're kind of just hanging out, but then when you get a call, it's game time, you know, everybody takes it seriously. And, and, and I, I, I do like that. And I think it's a great for, for me, at least it's, it's been a great transition, uh, transition out of hockey. Yeah. And I think, um, you've said this before and many people have said the experiences from hockey are very transferable for other aspects of life, whether someone makes it to the NHL or not, if you're trying to sell the sport for someone to, to think about what's different about hockey, it's all the things we talked about before, like the tournaments, the family connections, the self-discipline, the mentors and coaches and all those pieces that they're lifelong skills. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, if there's one thing I learned about hockey was accountability. I mean, you're, you're accountable to your team and, you know, you, 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 there, there was a few times early on in my career, I was a detriment to my team and you learn from that. Tell you, you you don't ever want to go through that experience again. So, um, you know, it's something I definitely want my kids to learn. Uh, you know, and I, I hope they, I hope they they do get on a team here sooner or later. But, uh, um, you know, that's that's one thing I'm super super uh, fortunate was the the lessons that I learned uh, playing on a team. So, Andre, what advice would you give to a young hockey player today? Uh, I would, I would give, there, there's a couple things I'd probably say, uh, n- number one is, is you don't know everything, you know, <laughs> I was, I was, uh, I, you know, I, I thought once I figured out one way, that was the way it was. And anybody told me different was, uh, um, you know, wrong. And there's, there's lots of ways to play hockey. Um, I actually learned that in Russia, to be honest with you, um, you know, uh, after a long playing career, you know, um, uh, professionally and, you know, junior and all that, I thought I knew all the ways there was to play hockey. And then I went over to Russia to play and they have a completely different way of doing a lot of things and it's not wrong. You know, it's just different. And, uh, and that's the one thing I would say to young kids is be open to learning new things because, um, you learn one thing from, um, one person and it works there and then you'll learn something else. And, you know, in different situations, both are right. Um, and then the other thing I would say to, um, to young players is, is don't ever, um, listen to anybody that tells you that you're not going to make it because, um, I've seen too many guys, um, you know, too many guys listen to people who, you know, never made it themselves or, or, um, you know, they, they, they think that, you know, this person said this, so that's the way it is. Um, and I've also seen it the other way where guys say, you know, I'm not listening to that guy. I'm going to make it. And you think there's no chance. And then they have, they, they end up being, you know, great players for a long time. So 
um, you know, just, you know, do your own thing and take the advice that's good for you. And, and, and not everybody has good advice. That's the other. So, so, um, you know, so that, that, that would be my advice in, in, in a nutshell and have fun, you know, because, uh, enjoy the process. If there was one thing I could say to my younger self, enjoy the process because you're, you're, you're stuck in it and you're so worried about the day to day and how things are going and which line you're on. And you know, you had this minus, you know, it, when you look back on it, um, you're not going to think of any of that stuff. You're just going to think about you know, the guys in the room and uh, having, having a common goal and, and, you know, all the, all the good times you had and some of the bad times. And so enjoy the process. Well, Andre, really appreciate um, you spending your time and sharing your story and sharing your journey with us. It, it wasn't an easy journey, that's for sure. But looking back now, uh, you have a lot to be proud of in terms of your accomplishments and uh, making all the way from uh, the early days of the Bahamas. So, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, there's there's no excuse. There's uh, for all the kids. There's no guy. I I started on an island, and uh, you know, where there's no hockey arena within a thousand miles, unless there was a cruise ship there. So. You know, um, there's, there's no excuse for anybody else out there. That's right. Uh, thank you very much. And I uh, hope to see you around town soon. Thank yeah, you. And thank you for doing this, Dean. I think it's okay. really important. All right. Have a good one. We're proud to be working with Hockey Equality. Hockey Equality is on a mission to create diversity at all levels of the game of hockey. By lowering financial barriers for BIPOC female and other equity deserving youth hockey players. If you've been moved by the stories shared on this podcast and want to help make hockey accessible to all, check out HockeyEquality.org. If you've enjoyed this podcast and would like to share this story with your kids, then check out My Hockey Hero. It's shorter and suitable for the whole family. You can click the link in the show notes or find it wherever you get your podcasts. This has been a Podstarter production. production.